This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast. And today I have Heather with me, and Heather is going to share her story. Thank you so much for being here, Heather. Welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. That's awesome. So why don't you um, back way up for me and just sort of start like right at the beginning. Where did it all start for you? Yeah. So I like to think of uh, my drinking career, for lack of a better term, um, kind of in like three phases or chapters. So I'm 34. Um, I started drinking when I was 18 or 19. So I was a bit of a late bloomer um, compared to my friends. Um, grew up in a Mormon household. So everything was pretty much off limits. So there was really like no education um, around drugs. It was kind of like of the dare generation. So that's where I got um, all of my education. But it was really um, just stay away, right? Abstinence only for drinking, for drugs, for premarital sex, like all of that, <laughs> all of that stuff that um, you know, you're introduced to as like a teenager. So um, I, I really didn't, um, I didn't miss it, of course, before I drank, because I really didn't know that, that world. Um, but I just breezed through high school. It was just something that I didn't do. I was fine with it. And then one day I was just like, you know, I'm just going to like go to this party and just see what it's all about. So it was a very um, conscious decision to drink. And um, I went to this party. I was um, hanging out with this uh, guy, we kind of like had a thing for each other and it was never the right time. But um, I share this anecdote because it's it's really important looking back, but he kind of like pulled me to the side and was um, telling me all these wonderful things, right? And I, I was just like totally in the moment and just smitten and I was like, wow, you know? And I, I told him like very cheesily, I'm like, you know, you're only saying this because you're drunk. And he said, a drunk person speaks a sober mind, which of course is, is a, a, a quote, right? And I just was like, not consciously in that moment, but looking back, I can see how um, that experience really kind of shaped my subconscious in that very moment, right? Because not only did I drink and had a great time, but I was like pulled aside by this guy that I really liked. And he's like telling me all these sweet and wonderful things. And, and, you know, when would that happen if not for now, you know, at this party with alcohol and this like vulnerability flowing and it just was like this magical moment. So it was kind of, I think, seared into my brain from a very uh, early experience that it was um, not only something that was fun, but something that was very um, connecting, very vulnerable, very um, uh, just wonderful, right? So that was kind of the first uh, best worst introduction, I think, to, uh, to drinking. So that's, that's kind of when it kicked off. That's so interesting. I mean, I, I feel like that is definitely one of those things that when, and words are crazy because when words are said in a certain way with a certain cadence, mm -hmm. we believe it, even if it's BS, you know, there's even research that says like, when you, um, when you take words and you contrast them, or when you take words and you rhyme them, or if there are certain types of alliteration, the mind takes it as truth oh, yeah. where a drunk person speaks with a sober mouth, like, or a sober mind, like that, that is the furthest from the truth. That's like the exact opposite of the truth. Yet I can see 
that that felt that could feel really, really true in the moment. And, you know, I, I used to definitely have this perception that, well, um, whatever you do drunk is just more of the real you coming out. And like that also now that I know is just really not, not the truth. Like we evolved to not be those kind of primitive beasts that we used to be. What you do drunk is the you coming out that doesn't even have the human prefrontal cortex part of your brain, right? So it's like exactly not the real you. The real you is the evolved you, the further awake you, the more progressed you. Um, alcohol takes you way back to your, you know, fight and kill and maim and like the really intense um, animal mm -hmm. inside of us all, mm -hmm. which is so interesting, but we definitely, anyway, that just really struck me. Sorry, it was a tangent. But so anyway, yeah. so no, after no, that. No. It was just really interesting for me because it was, it was like the epitome of, of romanticizing alcohol in that moment, right? Yeah. Like, it wasn't conscious. I was just like sitting there soaking it all up because, you know, I like this guy and he liked me, but it was more of a, I don't know, just looking back and after reading your book and, and really learning how you know, your thoughts and beliefs and your experiences kind of shape this foundation for your subconscious, like, whoa, you know, thinking back to that first time that I, I drank, like I said, it was probably the, the best worst first experience because it was just like, oh, well, everything that I've heard about alcohol being bad and evil and stay away is nonsense. Like this is right. fine. You know, I'm just drunk. I had a great time and look what came out of it, this amazing connection. So, um, yeah, that's really, that's how it kicked off. Um, and then I really went kind of, uh, fully into binge drinking. Cause I was hanging out with this guy and other guys and they were bigger guys. They could drink a lot more than me. And it kind of became this running joke, like, Oh yeah, I can keep up with the guys. And it would just be this like constant back and forth. And I just remember, um, it being so normal and I'm sure it would have been had I not hung out with these guys because I was in college at the time and you know that's certainly a very um binge type of culture but um it was just really not good now of course in the moment I didn't um, think about that either because I was having fun I was a very um responsible you know um young adult like I was going to, to school full-time I was working full-time commuting like an hour to work each way I mean I didn't think of these these experiences as being um bad or good I just thought it is what it is I'm in this time in my life I'm having fun um but looking back like again whoa <laughs> you know I just kind of jumped right in and had these weekends where I would just get sick and then you'd kind of it's the whole puke and rally thing, you know, you do it again the next day. And it was just, it was crazy. So that was um, kind of my first, I guess, phase. Um, I was probably in my early 20s. Um, and I was also hanging out with my uh, best girlfriend, and we would like to go to like dive bars. And, you know, we weren't doing these things that um, other girls our age were doing, getting all dressed up and going to clubs, we really just like like to hang out in bars, which is insane to think back on. Um, but, but we did. Um, and I was 22, I believe when I was sitting in a bar with her and I got a call from my brother, um, that my dad was in a really bad accident. And this was, I believe in like August, 2006. So in this like inebriated state, you know, I was not able to be like fully present. It was just, freaking out you know it's like you hear and see in the movies like the time just stops you know I wasn't able to like even really comprehend what was happening um 
and my dad ended up uh, passing on um, within like a month. It was really, really bad, really tragic. Um, as wow. you can imagine, and it just like rocked my world <laughs> um, as a 22 year old who really like didn't know herself was like into this, you know, crazy party scene. And um, I, I don't think that it made me any worse. Um, it certainly didn't make me any better, but it was kind of in terms of like my drinking and partying, it was like business as usual. Um, I didn't really make space to like grieve. I didn't really understand even how to do that because it was the first like major loss. And of course, you know, what a huge one <laughs> to have to face at that age and at that time. Um, so I just went, like I said, right back into it. And I, I certainly used it as um, a coping mechanism, even though it wasn't um, a conscious decision at that time. It was just, again, thrusting myself back into this, um, you know, these environments and these situations. So um, that was kind of, again, phase one. <laughs> um, it, it was it was crazy. It just seemed like the, the days and months and years just flew by. So um, a one anecdote that I will share from that, though, is I do remember going out with my best friend um, one night and we both had a lot to drink. You know, we had made really stupid decisions back in that day. It was before like Uber and Lyft. So just horrible, shameful things, right? Driving drunk and just being stupid. And I remember she took me home and she didn't live too far. I didn't live too far. I was like right across the street from where we were. And I just remember um, pleading with her not to leave, you know, and I'm in my drunken state and I'm like, no, 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 stay here, you know, sleep on my couch, whatever. And, and she's like, I'm, I'm fine. You know, what's going on? I'm just going to drive home. And I just had this like crazy emotional projection of everything that I was going through. And I was practically like a, you know, a kid, um, you know, pulling at her pant leg, trying to get her to stay. And she's like, what the heck is going on? I'm fine. And I just like burst into tears. I'm like sitting in my driveway, just a hot mess, like crying. And I remember she sat and um, she cried with me. And it was just like that time that I told you um, about this guy that liked me. And we had this really vulnerable moment. I just remember thinking like, even as it was happening, like, wow, what a special, like, connection. What a, what a vulnerable, beautiful moment. And I just, I'd never had had that, um, that kind of like empathy, I guess, shown in that, in that kind of way. And again, the brain thinks like, well, when would that have happened if we were sober, right? It's just that we're right. both in messes and we're, you know, leaning on each other as best friends do. And this is like, it was just a really like special moment for me. So again, seared into the brain that, you know, this is something that brings people together. This is something that's um, connecting. This is something that's um, allowing us to bond as friends. So really, really powerful to think back um, on that time. Well, yeah, that's really interesting. And it's interesting that you remember it so well too, which is like, you know, really yeah. interesting about being that drunk and, and still really remembering it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, it was really crazy. It was, it was wild. So, um, I, again, this was early, early to like mid twenties. Um, didn't really have any signs of slowing down. In fact, I kind of started running with like a new group of people, really dear friends, still are to this day, but they were very much into like this, like artsy, um, downtown, like musician, artists, like DJ, all this, you know, stuff uh, scene. And that was really, um, really new to me and really interesting, really like romantic and all these things. Like I'm a writer. So to get into that like artsy creative scene was huge for me. And I really felt like I was kind of carving out a space for myself and really coming to know 
you know, who I was as a writer. And, you know, I was like doing spoken word nights and it was, I was really just in, in my element. Um, but with that came a lot more, um, partying, <laughs> a lot more drinking, um, introduction to drugs. And it, it's really, really fascinating. Again, I, I, I thought a lot about the, the pieces of my story that I wanted to share. And that there's another really, um, fascinating thing that stands out to me. And that's, um, you know, when I was introduced to drugs, and of course, I say drugs and alcohol, knowing that alcohol is a drug, but <laughs> kind of how we're taught to believe, um, to differentiate the two. But when I was introduced to, you know, certain like party drugs, right, recreational drugs, nothing that I considered like hard or crazy. Um, I was really fascinated by them. And I did a lot of research because I was interested, but I was also very terrified. I didn't want to just like jump in like some of my friends were doing and say, oh, I'll just take this and see what happens. Like I was very calculated, which is um, not like me. I'm usually kind of go with the flow. But um, I say this because I treated um, this drug that I was interested in with like um, so much reverence and respect. And I I knew exactly before trying it, what would happen to me, what to expect, how to take care of myself, how to be safe. And it's just so mind blowing because by then I had been drinking for probably like five to seven years and I never even gave alcohol um, the same consideration, right? Yeah. Um, the effect that it had on my mind, on my body, on my, <laughs> my everything. Um, you just don't think of it. You think of it as drinks and you think of it as going out and just having a good time and waking up and maybe being a little bit sick the next day, but you don't draw that connection. Right. And it's really interesting too, because we know um, how dangerous alcohol is when we think of it in terms of alcoholism. So we think um, of the person who's, you know, in an alley with a paper bag and they have the shakes if they stop and they could, you know, have a seizure and it could kill them. Like we know all of these things, but I don't think that we make that connection when we think of our own drinking, if we're not there yet. Right. And few mm -hmm. people I think that are regular drinkers, I shouldn't say few because there's millions of, of alcoholics, right. Who are in really dire situations. But I think for like me, especially at that age, my, my peers, my friends, like there was never any talk about any of that. It was just something that you did. Um, and if you felt sick, you got over it. You maybe drank beer the next day and you just kept soldiering on. So it's really, really, really um, fascinating to me to think back that I looked at these two different things, this drug and alcohol as just completely um, separate, one very worthy of, of um, uh, you know, respect and and my education around it and the other is just something that was like the norm so um thankfully i kind of grew out of that that party phase <laughs> um you know certainly stayed in it i think for a few years but i was again very careful very calculated um all while while drinking so that was um, when i lived in arizona and moved out to california where i am now in 2011 and so my third kind of phase or chapter was really, um, I guess what I like to think of as like the settling down phase. So the least, um, the least, I don't know, scary of the three or, or unassuming of the three, right? So you get to this age where, you know, you aren't going out all the time. I wasn't going to clubs or after parties or after after parties. <laughs> I was just like at home with my husband and just hanging out. So um, 
you know, we, we came out, we didn't have a lot of, um, we didn't have any friends or family in California. So it was really just us. And, um, that really, I think slowed us down, um, naturally, right. And by default, because we didn't really like have anywhere to go. Um, but I think we still tried to hang on a little bit and try to find like a new crowd in, in San Diego, but, um, never, never really stuck. So I guess like the last probably, probably closer to like five years, it was really just like low key drinking. So if I would have compared it to my twenties, um, or even like when I was 18 or 19, um, you couldn't tell me that I had a problematic relationship with alcohol because I was drinking wine and watching Netflix. (laughs) So, you know, it's, I think it's, um, it can be an even scarier place sometimes when you're in that, um, that kind of phase of your life. And, and I don't have children myself, but I've been reading a lot. And, um, you know, I've, I've been kind of pushing myself into these like sober support groups online. And I've seen a lot of this like mommy drinking culture. Um, and that is just fascinating to me because I can see how easy that would happen. Because again, even though I don't have children, um, to a degree that was, um, that was kind of like my life, like everything that I did, I would try to um, incorporate alcohol. So if I was going to the beach, like it didn't make sense for me to go to the beach without alcohol and enjoy a day at the beach under the sun. You know, I had to have um, wine or beer in my little, you know, hydro flask. Um, Same thing with baseball games and lazy Sunday afternoons and like everything. It was just something that I enjoyed. Um, And again, compared to uh, my friends who really... 99% 99% of them are drinkers as well and regular drinkers. Um, there was no cause for concern. In fact, you know, I even asked my husband um, once I decided to to give it up um, if he thought I had a problem and he's like, no, you know, so even the people closest to me, I don't think um, would have ever recognized it, but it's something as I'm sure you experienced, because I know, you know, those 3 a.m. conversations with yourself that you refer to, like it's something that you know, is a problem and that's the way it should be right we should be able to really self-identify and and change the course of action when we identify um you know the need to um but that's really i i didn't i didn't see it as a problem until i did until i started connecting the dots um i was always very sober curious but it was something that i didn't um didn't even have on my radar because it didn't seem attainable. And I'm sure you can relate to that. You know, when you're, when you're drinking um, regularly and every um, environment that you're in, every situation, when you look forward to drinking, like I was one of those people that's like, you know, I'm a runner also. So if I ran a race and I knew there was like a beer tent at the end, I'd be like, yes, awesome. You know, just another way for me to like have a drink after. So it was, it was literally, um, you know, ingrained in, in everything that I did. So to, um, to be sober curious and to be envious of people who could take it or leave it. Um, and also people who were just like, I don't drink, I don't like it. That was just like, it, it, it was fascinating to me. I was like looking at these, you know, these people, like they had three heads, like, how do you do that? You know, like, what do you mean? But, you know, I was kind of secretly thinking that I could, um, be one of those people, but I just didn't have, um, not, not so much the tools and resources because I'm very headstrong. And when I decide that I want to do something, I do it, but I just didn't know um, socially how I would ever navigate that space and that world. So um, it was, it was very terrifying. And so I would, 
um, try to back off and try to moderate with like the 30 day challenge, right? Which is very common. So I would do, um, in fact, I did dryuary in uh, this year in 2018. And I was um, really happy with the results. I had a really hard year last year. I was just riddled with anxiety, um, depressive moods. Like I just felt like every facet of my life was just like spinning out of control and I didn't know why. Well, looking back, probably the booze that contributed to a lot of that. But, um, you know, I had a, a fantastic January. I was like, wow, my anxiety is like practically non-existent. I feel like I'm just, a, um, adopting, you know, um, better, like, self-care practices. I was like meditating. It was all these wonderful things. Um, and I, I truly did see the connection, but I also feel like there's a lot of danger in those 30 day challenges because for people who can um, complete them successfully, I think it almost gives you permission to say, I don't have a problem. So mm. I was like, of course I don't, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not an alcoholic, even though I had kind of like questioned those things in the past. I was just like, I just breezed through 31 days, the longest <laughs> month of the year, um, without so much as a craving. I think I had one day where I was like wanting wine and then everything else was just a breeze. So it's, it's really, um, it's kind of deceiving, I think, and a little tricky, like your mind plays tricks on you and you say, okay, if I can give it up for 30 days, I can take it or leave it, right? But the reality is February 1st, I drank. February 2nd, I drank February 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th. Like there was, yeah. I was almost making up for lost time. Yeah. So um, again, I, I kind of, um, I think dabbled in sobriety a little bit without ever truly giving it a fair chance because I didn't, um, I didn't know that that world and I didn't think that I would ever survive that world. And I didn't know, um, in fact, you know, I gave it up July 30th when I really made the decision beyond that 30 days to do so. Like when people say they're terrified, like that is a real feeling. I was like, I'm going to have to get new friends. <laughs> like, you know, like, how do I, how do I do this? And I just, there were so many unknowns. So um, really, I guess in my late twenties and early thirties, it was certainly like a slower period for me um, on the surface. You know, I was very much like a homebody and kind of just hanging out with my husband and a, kind of a core group of local friends. But um, I was still, you know, my tolerance was building, which is very easy to do when you're drinking regularly. And I was getting to the point where, um, you know, three, four drinks wouldn't do anything. And then of course, you know, I had the self-awareness when that was happening to say, whoa, let's dial it back. But again, when you get into that game of moderation, <laughs> you know, not only is it um, tricky and you're just constantly exhausted um, from all the mental gymnastics, <laughs> Um, it's just not fun. Like I always felt very deprived. I would be like really angry, even though I wouldn't show it. I'd be like, you know, I can't keep drinking. Um, so it was just, it wasn't fun. Um, and I wrote a little bit for your blog about like the day that I decided, um, to stop. And I don't know if you want me to talk about that, but, um, what's that? Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Um, so it was, so it was a Sunday. And again, it was one of those days where it was just a normal like drinking day. It was a weekend. It was the day that my husband and I had the day off together. Um, and it really, everything kind of like came to a head, not in a dramatic way. Like it was very much um, anticlimactic, but it was like all of these crazy moments of self-awareness. So again, just like any other day, you know, I um, 
planned on like, I think going to the beach that weekend. Um, but I also knew that we were going to take uh, my mom out to dinner. We were going to take her to like a, a wine bar. So from the moment I woke up and I was planning my day, I was like, um, planning it around alcohol, right? Cause I knew I wanted to drink at the beach, but then I'm like, okay, I can't drink wine all day. Cause I'm going to be sick if I drink wine from morning to night. So maybe I'll have beer or maybe I'll do this. And, and that's when all the, the, the gymnastics start. Right. So I was trying to figure out how to, um, kind of keep like a steady buzz and have a good day and not get messy and just, um, not get sick and be ready to go for Monday. Um, so, uh, we went to the beach. It was, it was great. We had a bottle of wine between um, my husband and I, we had two or whatever glasses each. And I remember sitting there and again, all these moments, like, these like crazy epiphanies, I swear, like the universe just was like working with me that day to just slap me around a little bit. But I remember um, finishing. And of course I like didn't have a buzz, you know, we were out of alcohol. We didn't like pack a huge bag. We just had a little picnic. And I remember, um, just feeling like feeling deprived right and being pulled out of that present moment like I just wanted to like go get another drink and it wasn't um that it, it's not like you think in the movies right where I'm like ha again having the shakes where I'm like oh my god oh my god I gotta get a drink right now but it again pulled me out of the moment and I just really wanted to kind of like keep the party going keep the buzz going so that was kind of the first um moment where I was just like holy cow like can you not enjoy a moment you know, like you're, you're in one of the most beautiful places in the country, you know, sun is shining, the, the waves are going and like, what the heck is wrong with you, <laughs> you know? So um, I guess that was kind of the, the first moment of the day. Um, got home a little bit later in the afternoon and started getting ready for dinner. And um, again, I wanted to keep drinking. So I was like going through my cabinet, seeing what I had, and I had a little bit of wine. And I remember um, pouring a glass and um, no one wanted to drink with me. And I was like, okay, whatever, you know, I don't need anyone else to drink with me. I'll just have a drink while I'm getting ready. No big deal. But it just like was, it was like this, um, like thunderbolt of self-awareness and like shame where I was like, again, like, why can't I get ready? Why am I pre-gaming a wine bar <laughs> with wine? Like, this is insane, you know, but I just kind of like, it's that cognitive dissonance, right? I wanted to have that drink, even though there were things um, working against me in my own mind and, um, this, these moments of clarity. Um, and so I drank my wine and just kind of shoved it down and, uh, went to the wine bar and it was just, again, nothing crazy. You know, there were no embarrassing moments. There was no falling down drunk or blacking out or anything like that. Um, had a wonderful dinner, but I was not fully present because I was thinking about, drinking, I was looking at the bottle, you know, right? You do that thing where you're like, okay, how much is left? How much have I drank? And, and trying to um, self-moderate in the moment. Um, I remember wanting to drink when I got home and we didn't have any wine. And I um, had kind of like asked my husband like nonchalantly if, you know, should we bring some home? Hoping he would say yes, because I really wanted it, but I didn't want to be that girl, you know? And he's like, you know, no, I think we're okay. And then again, immediately feeling like deprived and kind of like mm -hmm. angry um, that I couldn't like keep this going, which was insane because my tolerance was so high that like, I didn't even have a buzz. I wasn't chasing anything. It was just like, I had to have a drink in my hand. And it was very much that like habitual behavioral um, addiction for me. And it was just like, holy cow, like what is happening? 
so um, the next day, um, and I made sure to like hydrate. I, I hit all my bullet points, right, for for being good and drinking, day drinking on a Sunday. So everything was fine. I woke up, um, didn't have like a physical hangover, but I, I certainly, um, and this was very much true, and all throughout my 30s, I would get like these crazy, uh, what I called like mental hangovers, where I just felt super out of it, like, you know, just like foggy and um just not not with it and so I was like on my way to work and I just felt just really gross and I felt really um ashamed and it was one of those moments where you talk a little bit about it but it's that shame where you're it's almost like you um black out and you're trying to like put the pieces back together it felt like that even though I didn't even though everything was fine and we had a great night I had this like feeling that like something like bad had happened. It's like this doom and gloom feeling and this anxiety. And I was like, what in the world? And it's really interesting too, because a coworker of mine, um, you know, she had mentioned sometimes that when she drank, she would get anxiety. And I never made that connection before. But once I heard someone say that, um, and I knew that that was a thing, I recognized it. And that day was like full blown. Um, and I, I work at a startup, it's a very small team and I have to, um, report, you know, in our weekly team meetings every Monday morning. And it was just, I remember being there and in that meeting and just being really self-conscious, like feeling like everyone knew I was hungover, which adds to the shame and the anxiety and, um, just not being able to articulate, you know, my thoughts and, and the things that I wanted to share in this meeting and just the feeling of just wanting to be like swallowed up by the, you know, the hole opening in the ground and just disappearing. Like I just didn't want to be there. And I'm like, this is crazy. It was just one of those moments where I said, you know, is this, is this even fun? Like, what are you doing? You know, you had this day that was supposed to be great and what came of it? Like nothing fun. It still would have been fun had I just gone to the beach and had I, um, excuse me, had I um, just gone to dinner and spent some time with my mom and my husband um, but look what came of it. Like, I'm just a mess, you know, I'm at work and I just, um, everything just feels so hard and I'm making it hard. Mm. And so I didn't commit to, um, full blown sobriety because again, I, that was not even on my radar. So I just committed to another 30 days and I felt awful enough to not wait for August. <laughs> so it was July 30th. And I said, I'm just going to get a head start. Um, I'm going to do it now. And, um, here we go. Sober August, you know, give it a rest to let your tolerance uh, decrease, um, you know, chill out, let your body and mind have a break. And um, that's what I did. But I, I really do feel like there was this, this pull, you know, and I'm not a very um, uh, spiritual person in terms of like, uh, you know, organized religion. I'm very much removed from that part of my uh, childhood growing up. But um you know, the universe or whatever conspiring to really make this happen for me. I just felt this like cosmic uh, pull to, to sobriety. And I, I was very curious. I was very quiet about it, but I just started um, reading and I, I started on Reddit because I, that's just a you know website that I browse. And I remember seeing uh, a subreddit called stop drinking and I was never a part of it, but for some reason it just popped into my head and I went and I just spent hours, um, you know, going through all these threads, reading different stories. And I was just, I saw myself in so many of them. And it was that moment that I had um, permission, I think, to really give sobriety a chance. And even though I was terrified, I thought, well, there's, you know, these thousands, if not millions of other people who 
are in the same place and they don't know and they're navigating it and they don't identify as being an alcoholic and I didn't either. And, you know, someone who did a case study on me might, you know, disagree, but I, it's not a, a term that really resonates with me, but it didn't have to because I had, again, I had permission, um, which is something that I think is, is huge. You know, when other people share their stories and they're vulnerable and they're open and they're asking for help and they're getting help, um, it gives other people permission to do the same and to really question themselves. And, and that was really comforting. Um, it was scary because it meant that um, I had to dig a little deeper and ask myself harder questions um, and really, um, you know, question where I had been, where I wanted to go. And it really just started there. And so I think one of the most powerful things that I did um, early on in exercise was uh, I sat down and I was going to do a pros and cons list. So I was going to write all the reasons that um, I wanted to drink and all the reasons that I didn't or shouldn't. And before I even put uh, pen to paper, um, I thought, well, there's really no um, pros other than the fact that I think it's fun and I do it regularly. Not really a great reason. And that's really all that's going to go in that column. So instead of doing that, like, let me sit down and write all of the reasons why I want to stop drinking. And this was probably like day three or four. So, you know, I was feeling good, pink cloud going on and, um, you know, I just sat down and poured my heart out and I wrote uh, 20 reasons. I wrote 40, I wrote 50, <laughs> you know, the list was growing and they were coming out of me quicker than I could write them, journal them. And I was just like blown away. I didn't even know that I had all of that in me until I really was, I had to face it on paper. Um, and I kept going. I wrote 60 reasons, 70, 75. And I was like, all right, let's get to a hundred reasons. And without, you know, missing a beat and, and really having to stop and think very hard, I put a hundred reasons down on paper. Wow. And it just blew my mind. Like it almost brought me to tears. I'm actually getting emotional kind of talking about it now because it was so um, eye-opening, right? I, I could have told you, I think in that moment, maybe like the top five or 10, um, certainly, you know, hangovers and this feeling of shame that I couldn't quite place or identify and these feelings of anxiety and these depressive moods based on, you know, normal life circumstances, like things that everyone has to deal with as human beings, these things that I felt very um, not in control of. Um, I could have told you those reasons, but to really get deep and to put it down and to face it, I was like, oh, gosh, well, now it's out there. <laughs> now I got to do something with that information. So, um, so I did, I did 30 days and I, I kind of, I was kind of like you in, in a way I didn't like send an email, but I'm, I'm very much like an open book. So I, I did my like coming out on social media, um, kind of early, which was very terrifying and, um, very scary. I had a lot of doubts and regrets about it right after I did it. It's like that vulnerability hangover that Brene Brown talks about. Um, but I just wanted to like get it out and kind of um, uh, commit to it publicly so that it, it gave me accountability, even though it was terrifying to think of um, failing. Right. But I just, I had to, to put it out there and I talked to my husband about it and he thankfully has been incredibly supportive. Um, he still drinks, which honestly, at this point, thanks to your book and some other resources and tools, um, it doesn't bother me. I don't have um, any cravings. Um, I, I'd be lying if I said that I didn't, um, you know, miss like the social aspects. I think that that's going to take a lot of undoing and a lot of unlearning and that might um, carry with me forever. I have no idea, but 
um, I think that every time you face those moments, and I have faced many um, in the past three months, it just made it to 100 days not too long ago. Um, but as I think as you face those moments, it, it certainly becomes um, much easier, but it's, it's easier than I ever thought that it could be, which blows my mind, because if I had known, I would have done it so much earlier, but I just didn't, um, I didn't know that life. I didn't know how I could do it. And it just, it never even crossed my mind because alcohol was just in every, every single thing that I did. And it was very much like a part of my identity. And, and even though I always kind of hated this, like, you know, party girl label that I got in my twenties, I was very like against that. Um, it was a fair label, you know, because I really liked to drink and I, I made no um, qualms about that. I was very vocal about it. I was like, you know, the first to like be posting stupid, you know, wine selfies or whatever, you know, on social media. Like it was just, it was just a part of who I was, even though, um, you know, it became a problem. Um, so again, I, I, I don't know. I just, I felt like once I had um, permission to really question my drinking. It didn't matter what label I put on it. I didn't, you know, again, the, the term alcoholism or alcoholic didn't resonate, but I just like to say I had a problematic relationship with drinking, which is very true. Um, I was addicted to it in many ways. Um, I, I think mostly mentally, you know, I've found that now if I replace what would have been my nightly glass of wine or three with like sparkling water or, you know, a mocktail, it feels the same. You know, it's mm -hmm. habitual. It's just that like ritual of sitting down and unwinding. Um, and it's, it feels so easy. And I hate to say that because I know that it's not, that's not the case for some people. And I, I'm not so naive as to think that that will always be the case for me. You know, I could certainly um, take a turn tomorrow, you know, and that's why I, I try to, um, to be, um, treat this with, with seriousness and urgency, because I know that, that things can change um, very quickly. So I'm thankful it's easy right now and that I've been kind of using my tools and resources and I've, I've had, um, you know, things like your book um, really kind of, um, you know, light the way for me, but um, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes. I have no, no um, plans to stop anytime soon. It's just, it feels uh, like a new lease on life, which I never thought I would say, because again, that's something that alcoholics say, right. <laughs> um, but it really is um, complete and utter freedom, you know, from, if nothing else, those mental gymnastics of always thinking about drinking and wondering how much I can drink and wondering if I brought enough beer to the beach and wondering if, you know, I'm going to be um, over my limit at a, you know, a work party and embarrass myself. Like, there, I don't have to think about any of that. I'm fully present. I'm, you know, the person, um, the woman that I, that I have been wanting to know and understand um, all through my twenties, um, I'm, I'm finally kind of coming into my own and it's, it's a really beautiful, wonderful freeing thing. So, um, I don't, I don't have any desire to go back. <laughs> That's so awesome. I am. I love what you said about just that idea of getting permission and I think that's so true. And I mean, that was certainly true for me. And then I heard it over and over from people who knew me and it was almost like me just stopping drinking gave them permission to be like, whoa, wait. So somebody who doesn't necessarily have a problem in the sense of what we make a problem. I mean, obviously you and I both felt like it was a problem for us, but there was not ever, I mean, I remember my mother-in-law being like, I've never even seen you drunk, you know? And so 
it was so shocking to people when I stopped drinking because I was the person who wasn't actually getting drunk outwardly, um, even though I would definitely have another drink or two before going to bed back in my hotel room, but I would be completely in control at all of the work events and dinners. There was very few times that anyone could even tell that I was tipsy. And so it was so shocking to people that it did give permission, like, wait a second, we don't have to be um, a certain way to start to look at this. And I think that's just such an important and valuable message. Like you don't have to be, and I love, I love your day that you stopped because there's so much in there of just acting on awareness. And it strikes me that that's like really a gift of yours is becoming really self-aware and then acting on it and not necessarily becoming self-aware. And then, you know, just like saying, okay, like, wow, I'm going to actually act on that. That that's really beautiful because a lot of times self-awareness can creep in and we do everything to, to ignore it. And sometimes it is a bit of a whisper. Sometimes it's like loud upside the head when the whispers don't get through, but sometimes, you know, for you to be able to really see that and act on those whispers instead of letting it keep going. I, I, I just think that's just awesome. Um, so I'll ask you the last question I ask everybody, which is really like, what would you say to Heather um, from before about what life is like on this other side? Oh gosh, so many things. Um, all cliche, right? But I would say that it's um, that you're capable of this life, I think first and foremost. Um, that it is freedom like you've never experienced, that it is um, authenticity. I think that that's been really huge for me. Um, really just like, so going back to like these, these forums, right, on Reddit or the, these threads, I read one thing that I kept seeing over and over was people who were saying like, I, I laugh um, now. And you know, it always takes, um, I think, newbies by surprise because you're like, what do you mean? You're like the happiest and silliest when you're drunk. but um, authentic laughter and just being goofy and like finding your inner, you know, eight-year-old, like that is um, so incredibly powerful to me because um, I think we all have that inside of us, but to find that like, you know, G-rated joy again <laughs> without, um, you know, any substance is just like such an incredible thing. So, um, you know, I would tell her that you're going to have, um, a lot of fun, you know, not like the fun that you're used to, <laughs> um, but, but really genuine um, fun and you're going to have more meaningful connections. And I think for me, um, especially, you know, being in my early thirties, like just finding like my own like spirituality and being present and mindful, like those are really important um, values and, and goals that I strive to achieve. And I really don't think that I ever could have found that, um, you know, while I was drinking. And so I would uh, tell her that that's on the other side, you know, because that's always been um, more so now, but always been something that um, has been really important to me. So I would say just um, jump in. There's really nothing to be afraid of. And I, I think, um, you know, just like I had a lot of friends who drank uh, when I drank, I think that um, it's, it's just as easy to find like your sober crew, you know, I think you're drawn to people who are like-minded and who, um, do the same things that you do and value the same things. I'm still trying to find, you know, that, that crew and that, that connection. But, um, I, I would say that I know, even though I don't have that, that that's also out there and that's not something to be afraid of because you are going to find people 
um, you know, even as you've mentioned many times, like there are, you don't think that there are people who don't drink when you're in it and you're surrounded by people who are regular drinkers just like you, but there are millions of people in this, this world, in this country who, who don't. So, um, yeah, just don't be afraid. And it's, it's, uh, it's amazing on the other side. That's so cool. And speaking of millions of people, um, this podcast, it hasn't aired yet, but when it airs, this will be our millionth download. Wow. Somebody who, somebody who listens to your story will be the millionth download. Holy of this cow, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. So yeah, it's really neat. Well, thank you so much, Heather. It's been just an absolute pleasure. Yeah, it was a pleasure meeting you. I was fangirling a little bit. <laughs> you totally changed <laughs> my life. So Thank you so much for sharing your story and being open and, and courageous because it's, it's incredibly powerful and, and you give permission um, for people like me to give other people permission. And I think it's just kind of a chain reaction. So thank you. This has been Annie Grace with This Naked Mind Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can learn more at thisnakedmind.com and please remember to rate, review, and subscribe as it really helps us spread the word.